In her wonderful book called Everything Happens for a Reason, Kate Bowler, who is a divinity professor at Duke University, writes about a trip that she took to the Holy Land with a megachurch and, as she puts it, a celebrity pastor. And they traveled around uh, the Holy Land. And at one point, they stop at the foot of this mountain. And Kate and one elderly woman called Beverly are the only ones who go up to the top of the mountain. And when they get there, this windswept mountain in northern Israel, and they look out over the plain, this woman, Beverly, begins to tell Kate a story. The plain is the plain of Megiddo, or better known in Greek as Armageddon. And what Beverly does is tell Kate in vivid terms what she can almost see in front of her unfolding on the plain. What happens in Revelation of the armies of good and evil battling each other, the forces of light and darkness, the battle ebbing to and fro until eventually the forces of light win. The purifying fire occurs, the dross is burned, the gold is there. She can see it. She can almost see it. And yet she is profoundly angry because the pastor has given them the date when this is going to happen. She's done the math and she realizes that she'll be dead. She won't be there to see this and she is angry. There is something in us which likes peering over the edge of the abyss and into it. We feel sometimes that we leave, lead lives that are bland, that are meaningless. Looking into that darkness, looking over that edge, is attractive, it's dangerous, but it's also definitive. Because something's going to happen. The readings that we heard today from Daniel one of the great apocalyptic books of the Old Testament. And then this passage from Jesus talking about the temple being destroyed and what is to come. And then, of course, the book of Revelation itself entices us in a way to thinking that this is about titanic struggles. But what we are meant to do as Christians, as religious people, is to put ourselves on one side or another. But in the world around us, as we look at it as well, in our own country, things seem to be becoming more apocalyptic. This is not a political statement. One end of the spectrum, the other end of the spectrum, sees in the other something which is a fundamental danger, something which is that darkness of the abyss. And we're called upon to do something before something ends, before something is broken, before something is destroyed, before darkness comes. And there's something insidiously attractive about it. And yet, is that what we're called to do? Is that what Jesus is telling us? Wars and rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, nation against nation. Is that the way things are meant to be and therefore we have to take a stand? No. I don't think so. Let's just rebase this for a second. Jesus tells his disciples the night before he's crucified, I give you a new commandment. You are to love one another. 
Early on in his ministry, when he goes to the synagogue in Nazareth, he reads from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah that he's come to bring comfort to the prisoners, to free the oppressed, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. And the parable of the sheep and the goats, closer towards the end of his ministry, it is about feeding the hungry, the starving. It's about clothing the naked. It's about visiting the prisoner, bringing sight to the blind. None of that seems to fit with this apocalyptic vision. And it certainly doesn't tell us that we should be taking sides, putting on our armor and fighting. So what does it mean? To explain that, I want to go to a slightly different stream of Bible readings, but ones which speak to this. Go back right to the beginning of Jesus' life when he shows up in the temple and Simeon comes up to Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. And of course, we all know from the, from the Nunc Dimittis, from that famous psalm, famous song, what he says. That Jesus will be a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. What Simeon also goes on to say is he will be the cause for the rising and falling of many in Israel. And he will be a stumbling block upon which many stumble. When Jesus talks about the temple collapsing, he's talking about stones. He's talking about, again, stumbling blocks. But there's another passage in Jesus, one which we tend to skip over because we find it really quite hard, where he says, I do not come to bring peace. I come to bring a sword. I come to set father against son, daughter against mother. What does that mean? Is that what we're meant to do? No. What Jesus is talking about, what Jesus is talking about here in this reading, is the cost of discipleship. About what it takes, what it will cost, to take up our cross and follow him. To do what Jesus tells us to do, to love one another. To feed the starving. To visit the prisoner. To comfort the oppressed. All of those carry a cost. And they carry a cost because there are other people who find that challenging, who find that confrontational, who find that that upsets everything that they think about their lives and the way they do things and which they push back on. And it's that which brings the conflict. And what Jesus is saying is not go out and fight. You know, the way to make this thing work is to start World War III. No, that is not what he is saying. But what he is saying is, if you are to follow me and to do what I ask of you, then conflict may well follow, and you are not to shy from that. I was thinking of this in a slightly different context recently, around Veterans Day. And I thought about how Abraham Lincoln used to come into this church sit in that back left pew over there. Abraham Lincoln did not want the Civil War to happen. He did not invite it. He did not, unlike some of his generals and some of the Confederate generals, find war in any way to be glorious. You can ask any veteran, war is not glorious. And yet there's a famous passage in Lincoln's second inaugural address where he says, fondly do we hope Fervently do we pray that the mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away. Yet, if God wills, 
that it continues until all the wealth piled up by the bondsman's 250 years of unrequited toil shall be sunk, and until every drop of blood drawn with the lash is paid for by one drawn with the sword. Then, as was said 3,000 years ago, so still it must be said, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. What Lincoln was not saying was this war was a great thing. What Lincoln was saying was that to eradicate the sin of slavery, war came. To do the right thing caused that conflict. And to continue to do the right thing means seeing it through. And that's the message for us today. We know, we know, the conflict in the past year or two that's been caused by even talking about racism by talking about how some prejudices may be ingrained, about how some parts of the system are structurally prejudicial, that causes conflict. It causes people to feel uncomfortable. It causes people to feel threatened. And yet, if we are to be true to ourselves, then that conflict may have to come. We shouldn't invite it. We certainly shouldn't enjoy it. We shouldn't relish it. We shouldn't use it as an excuse for judging, but it may have to come. And as we look at the things around us that need doing in this city, yes, racism, but also poverty, inequality, housing, disparity in healthcare, education, to raise these issues, to feed the starving, to clothe the naked, to comfort the oppressed, may cause conflict. We don't invite it, we don't relish it, we don't enjoy it. But it may happen if we are to follow in the way of Christ, as we are called to do. Amen.